This is Coach Chris Holtman. You're listening to Drive the Lane Podcast. Welcome back to Drive the Lane, the first episode since Ohio State football rightfully has been selected to return to the college football playoff. We'll talk about that, of course. We're going to talk a little Ohio State basketball because there's a tough upcoming game against Rutgers right off the backs of a tough game against Duke and then the the ninth or tenth cupcake game of the year. And we got Bobby Carpenter on talking all things Ohio State football. A great episode brought to you by our friends at Brain Fuel. Go to B-R-E-I-N-F-U-E-L.com. Use promo code DTL15 to get some Brain Fuel. Joey, we haven't talked to the folks, the listeners. Folks. Folks, listeners, etc. Since the Duke game. So I think that is a good place to start. I'll, I'll let you open. I have some thoughts, but you open because I just talked for about a minute and a half and I need to not speak. I, I feel like there's like a Venn diagram between listeners of Drive the Lane and people that listened to the Twitter space that I jumped into after the game. So a lot of people, and, and it's the center, right? You know, it's just it's just a circle. It's not two circles. If you're watching the video, it makes a lot more sense because I'm using my hands. But um, I'll repeat what I said on the... Uh, on those spaces after the game, I be on the lookout. I feel like me and Andrew are going to be either hosting or hopping into spaces just about after every football basketball game for the next, you know, foreseeable future. But um, anyways, lots of positives to take away from the game. A few negatives also, but negatives come with growing as a, a young, not young as much in age, but young in teamness right they they haven't been a team for a long time it's growing pains um a couple things bruce thornton was great um he didn't take care of the ball as well as he normally does but that's expected on the road against a really good team but he was great bryce sensible had his moments sean mcneil had his moments second half justice suing second half zed key were awesome which is what you need out of your leaders and oldest guys um the bottom line is this i remain extremely bullish about the team um the positives severely outweigh the negatives um the fight the grit the toughness the togetherness that they showed in not letting the game get away from them when it could have um is really impressive offensively they did a lot of good things uh defensively there's a lot to work on i think that the recipe for an upset which we always talk about is rebounding taking care of the ball having a guy step up um in the stat sheet, the rebounds didn't look like it affected us, but clearly if you watch the game, the size and the timeliness of our rebounding was not very good. Uh, the size affected us and the timeliness of the rebounds, whether it be offensive rebounds for us or them, we we didn't get them when we needed them. Um, taking care of the ball was really, really a struggle in the first half. For about, I don't know, 17 minutes of the first half, we looked like we not only were competing with them, but maybe we're the better team. And then they went on a huge run to end the half because we were just handing them the ball. And it's just hard to win when you're given teams just easy, easy looks. Um, you couple all of that with the fact that you don't get a great whistle at Cameron indoor. That's not a, a surprise or a unknown fact to anybody. And that's not an excuse either. We got some questionable calls as well. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, Andrew, we made the same amount of baskets as them in the game and lost. Like that's, you know, it's, it's okay. Where's that from? Maybe that's points off turnovers. Maybe it's free throws. Maybe they made more threes. I can tell you what, when you only make three threes on the road against a ranked team, you're not going to win very many games either. So those are my thoughts. The overarching theme is our leaders were great in the second half when it mattered most. I, I really do take a lot of positives away from this team. And I think it's a team that will be a roller coaster. Like we've said a million times, you bounce back against St. Francis. You take care of business. You win in a fashion that you're supposed to win in. Um, and that game was the freshmen were awesome. The depth was great. And all the great stuff about this team which was, it just all flourished. So Lots of positives to take away. I know you have thoughts too, but th- those are my immediate thoughts from the Duke game. And, and I'm excited to see, because we'll talk about it with Rutgers here in a sec, how we learn from, from that Duke game. Yeah, so my my thoughts on that game were, unfortunately, to this point, Tanner Holden's minutes are probably going to be replaced by Eugene Brown in one way or another. And Eugene Brown is, is a better defender and that's what Eugene Brown does. So getting Eugene Brown back in, in that Duke game, for example, or that's a guy that you would have really liked to have in the San Diego state game. Like that's going to be extremely valuable moving forward. Whenever that happens might be against Rutgers or Holman may have said something I don't think he's going to play, it seems like, yeah. But maybe not against Rutgers. Honestly, last year with Justice, it seemed like he was a day away from playing and then didn't play the whole year, so you never know. A little different with Eugene Brown. You're not waiting on the scoring return. But I do think there are some minutes that have gone to players early on in the season that will be replaced by Eugene Brown, which is a good thing. That being said, I think we're seeing with – this team early on and so much can change so much more can gel it it's funny because before this we talked about maybe talking about the u.s men's soccer team but you hear oh they're so young they're going to play together more they're going to get better every team is early on in their season as ohio state gets more comfortable with their teammates and whatnot so are the other teams which is why i'm a little hesitant with the hey it's so early in the season so you know, you draw a Texas Tech in the second round of the tournament. Hey, you're on to the, the Sweet 16. You draw Duke in the second round. That's a team maybe you can beat. It's also a team that might beat you. Like, I think they're right in that middle tier where they might be a top 25 team in the country. But as we know, 16 teams make it to the Sweet, to the sweet 16. So I do think that what we've seen so far is accurate to how they are. I don't think... Nine times out of 10, they beat San Diego State. I don't think nine times out of 10, they beat Duke if the games are played over. I think those are, are losses if they're if they're played over again. Maybe Duke's a little different with not Ed Cameron. But I do think that they are accurately ranked and they will not get worse. We're not going to be looking at this team in a month being like, what happened? They beat Texas Tech. They were competitive against Duke. But I wouldn't be surprised if – a Rutgers beats them at home because Rutgers is is very good. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Rutgers by 10. That's just the kind of team that they are, especially with with streaky players in, in McNeil. And, and Justice has been streaky so far this year, and his streaks are crazy. 30-point streaks or three points in the first half against Duke or whatever it was. So 
the consistency which we've seen from Zed when he's not in foul trouble is the thing I'm most excited about, which is we know Zed's floor. Like there's not really going to be a lot of games where he doesn't have 10 and five, you know, he doesn't have 12 and seven need to find that second consistent player or consistently have a second guy, which as the season goes on, and I've been talking for a little while now, but as the season goes on, my expectations are, you know, Bryce Sensabaugh needs to not have freshman games for this team to be really, really, really good. And we'll see if that can happen. Will you allow a rebuttal for me on some of the things that you Absolutely. said? Absolutely. Sure. Well, first of, I mean, your one of your first thoughts, I think they're all great thoughts. They're all fair thoughts. And they're all thoughts that plenty of Ohio state fans are thinking. I mean, I just got my haircut and my, and the barber was talking about shout out Kev. Great cuts. Shout out to classics barbershop in Columbus. Um, no free ads though. Um, he was talking, he was being critical of, of things. Like I, I love it. It means people care. Like I I'm, I'm excited about that. But that being said, a couple things that I want to just play like devil's advocate for maybe number one. Yes. It's early in the season for everybody, but like the struggles Ohio state has with 10 fresh new faces versus the struggles North Carolina has early in the season is way different. They, they are not a new team that they are not a new team. Ohio state is a new team. Um, Duke is a new team. They have their own struggles. Um, you know, Texas Tech is a new team. They have their own struggles, right? Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that's rebuttal number one. I think one point that I do want to make that's very interesting that me and my dad were talking about over the weekend is the difference for Ohio State in being a 5-6 seed and a 7-8 seed in the NCAA tournament is massive, right? Either playing a 4 seed or a 3 seed where you're catching up a, a baby, a Duke, you know, or, or, you know, a team that's, that's good. And maybe it's a bigger name and maybe they play it. You know, the ACC is super, super top heavy uh, is, is, is very fortunate for that sweet 16 for that matchup to go to the sweet 16 versus you catch um, a two seed or a one seed. Obviously you don't want to play Arizona or you don't want to play, you know, uh, Gonzaga, right. Whoever the one or two seeds are right. I mean, I would have said Creighton, but they lost by 10 to Nebraska yesterday. So who knows? But um, it's very interesting because this point of the year is really important. Like a lot of these games are resume building wins. Like the the committee, the NCAA tournament committee does not care how young your team is, whether it be because they haven't played together or because they're all freshmen. It doesn't matter. You got to win some games. Notre Dame had an awesome win against Michigan State, turns around and beat, loses to a bad Syracuse team. Michigan State's lost two in a row after beating Kentucky earlier in the year. Like, it's just, it's crazy. A lot of it stuff will figure it out. What I'm interested in is the now. That's Rutgers on Thursday. As you're listening to this, two nights from now, against a really, really tough. Joey, I want to say, I want to say one thing real quick. Not yeah, to you. be my guest. It sounded like I was being negative, but my main point that I wanted to make is, would be so shocked if this Ohio State team, based on what we've seen so far, is not competing to make it to the sweet 16 is, is kind of what I was trying that's to say the ultimate goal that we're going to talk about all year. Right. Totally. And, but so far with what we've seen, I think they absolutely should be competing for the goal that we have been discussing and will be discussing. I haven't seen anything that thinks that makes me think otherwise either way is, is yeah. kind of what I was saying. Yeah. The, the ultimate thing, right. Is will this team have an opportunity to make a sweet 16? Not, it's not, 
it's never going to be sweet 16 or bust, right? Like that's not fair. College basketball is too hard. It's too hard to win the NCAA tournament. It's not fair to consider each individual year a success. If you make the sweet 16, granted the way we're looking at it is Holtman hasn't made it to the sweet 16, right? So you need it sooner than later, which is a different argument, but can this team make a sweet 16? The barometer is that absolutely right. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, what I was just going to say about Rutgers, because like we, we do need to focus on the now because, right, like think about if like the people on – if, if the players on Ohio State were listening to the show and were talking about Sweet 16s, it would be like, no, 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 shut that off. Go watch some Rutgers film. Um, they just beat the shit out of Indiana. Like they manhandled Indiana, who's a tough – they're a tough old veteran team, right? Talk about it. Not a new team is Indiana. Um, so – Here's what I'll say. A couple of my main thoughts about Indiana. They are a group of tough MFers that play really good defense. They struggle to score on offense, but they do have Paul Mulcahy back, and he's getting his rust off. He's their point guard. He's the head of the snake, which we always say on the show. You know, their best players aren't these, like, Bryce Sensabaugh-type go-get-a-bucket scores. It's uh, Mulcahy, who will have, like, 12, 8, and 7, and Caleb McConnell, who's the – the returning Big Ten defensive player of the year, uh, a freshman who hadn't scored more than hadn't scored double digits more than two games and had 14 in the second half against Indiana, right? So they're an interesting team. I think Peichel is one of, if not the most underrated coaches in the entire Big Ten. Uh, I do think that they play incredibly great basketball and a fun style of basketball to root for, right? Because they're so tough and they play so hard. But they are not playing in Piscataway, New Jersey. They're not playing in the rack or the Jersey Mike arena, as it's called. They're playing in Columbus, Ohio, and they're not the same team on the road. Um, What does travel, Andrew, is what travels. This is a fun Coach Mata, every basketball staff saying that they talk about when you go on the road. What what travels? What do you think travels? Defense. And? Hustle. Yeah, that counts. Is that the same? Yeah. Um defense and it's something we talk about all the time rebounding and rebounding defensive defensive rebounding they, they travels it's got to travel your energy and your effort has to be a constant all the time but your defense and your rebounding not only should it travel it's got to travel if you want to win these games and that's what they do really really well cliff omarui is an incredible center he came in as a high high rated guy um, has dominated some teams that I, when I've watched Rutgers play, um, and they've got good young guys, they've got good old guys, and they have a great coach. It's going to be a really, really tough matchup. I do think that you mentioned something. I, you're not a negative guy, but you mentioned something a little bit negative when you said, I wouldn't be surprised if they lost. That's not how I'm going to phrase it. We're going to learn a lot about this team in the sense that can they learn from their mistakes in the Duke game? Because a lot of the same stuff is going to be important in this game and every game in the year, but taking care of the ball against Rutgers and rebounding. Like when we lost to Rutgers, my, this would be my sophomore year in the big 10 tournament when they were terrible, like terrible. We gave up 20 offensive rebounds and we only lost by a few points. Like that's, that's how they win games with those tough, with toughness plays. And that's offensive rebounding and and really good defense. So got to take care of the rock, got to rebound. Got to win games at home in the big 10. You just have to. You well, have I was going to gonna say, it's interesting that, you know, it's it's December 5th as we're recording this, the game's December 8th, and it absolutely, this game is going to have big 10 tournament, big 10 seating, NCAA tournament 100%. implications, which is, which 
is weird that the Big Ten does that, but it's crazy. 100%, and I love that they do that. But also, not only that, but, like, momentum is so important too, right? Like, you win this game and you're going to go to New York, MSG against North Carolina, the preseason number one team. Like, you need some momentum, whether it's some good offensive momentum, just winning momentum, positive momentum, because whatever North Carolina is ranked, which – They'll, they'll be ranked again come uh, – you know, they started out 5-0 and and lost four in a row or whatever it is. Um, they're going to be ranked a week from now, right, as we're speaking. And our game against them is going to be a ranked matchup, assuming Ohio State k- takes care of their business as well. Like, that's a big game. North Carolina is going into that game thinking we don't have that many opportunities for statement NCAA tournament building, resume building wins, right? Like – they lost those games. Their best win right now is like neutral site against Portland. So yeah. like they, they've got Virginia in the, in the ACC and they've got Duke, but they don't have much after that. So I know we're looking ahead, but we need, that's just all to say is that Ohio state needs some positive momentum heading into that game because who doesn't need positive momentum first of all, but like you got to prove you belong. You got to win big 10 games at home. Um, the big 10 is Purdue is a juggernaut, but it's looking wide open. You know, it's looking wide open. I mean, like we could just, I mean, I could rattle off teams that we thought were going to be good are not good. And teams that aren't that yeah. we thought were going to be bad that are good. Right. Like Northwestern who has been horrendous to start the year goes to the Breslin center, beats Michigan state, Nebraska, obviously just beat Creighton. Michigan doesn't have a good win win this year yet. Wisconsin has been awesome. Um, there are, there are, Bulls are shot away from having a top 10 win against Kansas, right? So uh, it's it's really, really interesting. Ohio State beating Rutgers, I think, sends a message. Um, Purdue is juggernaut. Indiana, I think I think if I were to quickly, and I do one thing that I selfishly want to do, and I, Andrew knows, and uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to test my Photoshopping slash finding a, uh, s- some way to do this on the internet. Um, but I want to tier the Big Ten teams in a, in a different, fun way like everybody does. And it's clear that Purdue is a juggernaut Final Four contender. Indiana and Illinois are right below them, maybe on the same level, maybe not juggernaut status because they're not undefeated, but would not surprise me if they won the Big Ten and and advanced far in March. But then it's like so muddy the rest of the way. Ohio State's got to prove some stuff. Um, Michigan State's got to prove some stuff. Uh, Iowa is undefeated, I'm pretty sure, but they also haven't really beaten anybody great, but they look great. Um, And I'm missing a bunch of teams. So it's it's – it's fun. I think this is important, uh, but not as important as Ohio State winning in the college football playoff, which is obviously what we need to talk to about next. We definitely need to talk about it and change of plans. We'll just talk about all of it with with Bobby Carpenter. How's that sound? I think that sounds great. All right. Let's get to our interview right now. All right. Join us now on Drive the Lane. And if you're listening and not watching, you got to take our word for it. The coolest backdrop since we've started drive the lane bobby carpenter welcome to the show hey guys thanks for uh having me man this is uh should be fun as we get into bowl season here absolutely best time of the year you know bobby we i should say i'm a basketball guy through and through andrew's a football guy for us this is the best time of the year when you got everything going together however we've got a little three-week break but it's good news for ohio state fans obviously you know we don't have to be anxious for three weeks um, they're, they're going bowling. They're in the college football playoff. What, what were your immediate thoughts leading up to the the selection show? And then right after, yeah, you know, there's a lot going on obviously. And, and 
Here's the one thing. We got Army Navy this Saturday. They kept pushing this thing back. So now it's in the middle of November or December. I'm actually we going out there working with Sirius. I'm taking my 13-year-old son who uh, his birthday is December 1st. So it's kind of his birthday present to go out and see all that, which if anybody's never been there, I mean, it is – I've been once. It's one of the greatest spectacles you'll see in all of sports. It's – unlike anything else you ever see any other rivalry it's just it's different it's unique it's awesome but you heading into this weekend you know the ohio state I mean, there's a chance they could get in there's opportunity you know what you know would it all ultimately knock would they be able to be there and, and be ready for it and uh you know you need usc to lose and probably tcu to lose like lose by 10 in my mind, maybe 10 to 14, which ultimately almost happened. I mean, there was a, you know, a drop punt that, that kept them in the game, but you know, just the emotional roller coaster. I think that most Ohio state fans were on like me and everybody else. If you don't have control of any of the games and really the players at that point, you know, the coaches, I mean, their game was done on Saturday at three 30. It felt worse than everybody else. And to sit around and wait and you go through the, you know, the periods, the periods of mourning where, you know, at first you're a little upset, you're mad, you're angry, you're sad, like you go through it all. And eventually all of a sudden Tuesday comes, the, the selection showing like, Hey, you're in fifth. So you're in striking distance. You've got a chance. And thankfully everything that weekend, it kind of materialized uh, to the way that it benefited Ohio state. And now you get an awesome chance to go play what many consider to be the best team in college football, basically a home game for them. And if you get that done, well, you could play your rival again. And it would be the biggest Ohio state Michigan game really in the history of the series. You can talk one versus two and some of the classic games in the seventies, but this would be for a um, national champ that has no equals. It would you know, it's the sole, sole tournament at this point. It's not like it was back in the day. So it would be the first time they met outside of that. So there's a lot going into this. Uh, first and foremost is Georgia and there's changes on the coaching staff. I mean, the guy, you know, Jackson announced he's not going to play. So there's, there's a lot of stuff to kind of digest and look at, try to figure out, but I'm excited to watch Ryan and Jim put together a game plan and see what they can do. Yeah, there is definitely a lot on the line, but there was a lot on the line Last week in the USC-Utah Pac-12 championship, I was joking with Joey, told some of my other friends as well, maybe the most fun I've ever had watching a college football game was cheering for Utah in the Pac-12 championship. What what were your thoughts during yeah. that game? Well, Cam Rising's the easy dude to cheer for. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought I knew what targeting was, thought I had a pretty firm grasp on it, and then he gets hit right in the face with the crown of a helmet. His helmet goes flying off. And, I mean, the dude pops up, puts his helmet on, smiles, just to go out for a play, and then comes back in and continues the ball. And, you know, for Ohio State fans, I mean, they were probably pretty nervous. I was at the beginning of that game. It was 17-3 or 14-3. It looked like that thing was about to get away. And Utah did a little bit – you know, to uh, USC, what Michigan did to Ohio State. I mean, you felt like Ohio State was kind of ready to pull away from that thing. They could get up 14-3, like, oh, they maybe could separate a little bit. Could never do it. They stay in the game, and Utah just kind of wears them down and made plays down the stretch. So, I mean, it was awesome. Utah's a fun team to cheer for. You cheered against them last year, and you know, they're going to back-to-back -back Rose Bowls and you know, won the won the Pac-12 back-to-back years. So, big kudos to them, and what an awesome experience. One thing, you know, as you're watching that game and you realize Utah is going to win, selfishly as an Ohio State fan, you start to have this inner dialogue and maybe you're arguing with friends or family members, do we want to be three or do we want to be four? Do we want to play 
Michigan in the semifinal or have the opportunity to maybe play them in the final. Um, I love this argument. I had my thoughts. My thoughts were really changed by my dad of all people. Um, what are your thoughts? Would you have wanted to see them first or the way we have it now? Oh, I mean, I think you want to see the game happen, but the greater the magnitude of it, I think the more important it is. I'll tell you this, they didn't do Georgia any favors by putting them with Ohio yeah. state. And I talked to Aaron Murray on Thursday or Sunday. I did a, show on XM with a selection show. We had a bunch of guys on John Jansen from Michigan, Aaron Murray, you know, worked, went to Georgia and, you know, he, he asked me, how do you feel about playing Ohio stadiums? Well, I, I don't think they, they gave us the best draw. He's like, we would have liked to have had TCU if we had our way. And it's like, I thought Ohio state was either the first or second best team all season long. So, I mean, there's that wrapped around it. People know that they've won a national championship an undisputed national title. They've went down in the South and beat Bama in the sugar bowl. So there's obviously a lot there. And for me, you know, I kind of wanted to see it in the Fiesta Bowl, but then as I started thinking, I'm like, you know what? You beat Georgia first, and if you get that and you get Michigan, it's like playing the same team basically twice, I and mean, they're very similar in how they play and how they operate. And, you know, I don't want to see that game happen, I think, if you can avoid it. And so if Michigan wins, Ohio State wins, then awesome. It'll be for everything, an undisputed national championship and a chance to avenge that loss, but you got to earn it. I mean, you already lost one. It's, it's on them. They didn't they didn't take care of business when they had the chance. So now it's not going to be easy. But, you know, sometimes, uh, as Woody said, anything easy and worth a damn. So we're, we're now basically, let's call it a month away from these games. It's 25 days. But we're, we're going to talk a lot between now and then. I'm sure you're going to talk a lot between now and then. Your thoughts are going to change. What needs to happen for Ohio State to have a chance in this game between now and the game starting? Not on the field against Georgia, but injuries, schemes. What offensively do you think potentially needs to change between now and the game's start, let's say, in practice? Well, I think health is is one thing. You know, Jackson's not going to play, so that's kind of disappointing. Um, I doubt Trey plays. I mean, he's got his foot's pretty bad. I think the only way that probably gets fixed is with surgery. So there's that issue with that. Um, so outside that, you know, health. You know, oh geez, what the heck's going on? Sorry about that, guys. I got stuff firing on my computer, but they, uh, the heck is close. I'm sorry, but anyway, they've got you know, those two guys. Um, Mayan, I think will be healthy. Some time will help take care of him, you know, heal him back up. But outside of that, you know, the schemes, you know, you'll do, you'll put some special stuff in, you'll have some wrinkles. You'll work on some of the stuff that you struggled with. But the reality is, um, it's really got to be a mindset. And you know, this year against Michigan, it wasn't that they got beat up. It wasn't that they got run off the field. It was more of a fact that you felt like guys didn't make plays in critical junctures of the game. So that to me was the biggest issue. And that is almost a mindset where maybe you're a little tight. Maybe the, the anxiety got there, the, the nerves of building that game up. And so understanding like, hey, you push them really hard. You put guys in adverse situations during practice and understanding that, you know what, that'll be good for you because during the game, you'll know what to expect and the moment won't be too large. So I think it's a little bit, you throttle back last week, you got kind of a week off where you just got to work out of some light practices, do a little bit of that this week while the coaches are building the game plan and still recruiting. Uh, but you get some good workouts, get those guys running. And then you really start gassing up, you know, and going in probably another week. So where you figure out, Hey, how we're going to attack them. You know, what's the best way to get about it. And, you know, if you look at it, Georgia's secondary, I mean, that's probably the weakest part of their defense. LSU threw the ball over them. They just were probably a little more efficient. That game may have been a little tighter. 
And then, you know, how do you attack them on the other side? Well, they don't really have elite receivers. So you got to stop their run game and stop their tight ends. Um, McConkie will probably be back for him, but you know, it's, it's about getting pressure, keeping Ben in the pocket. And so figuring out how to be able to do that, that's going to be the, those will be the keys. So let me ask you this on a bigger scale question for the college football playoff, obviously the recent announcement, it's going to 12. What are your thoughts on, on that? We have our own thoughts. We've talked about it. Um, want to know what your opinion is on, on the expansion. Oh, it's good and bad. I mean, Ohio state will probably always get in now outside of just an atrocious year injury laden or something crazy happening. So you don't necessarily have that. So the Michigan game won't maybe have the level of the gravity surrounding it because they're going to go divisionless too. So you play them then this year to play them back to back and assuming how things kind of worked out now, maybe you would have played them a third time, maybe even in the playoffs. So, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that could happen. That'll kind of change the way we look at college football forever. I do think it'll be, it'll be good. It'll keep more people invested longer. And, you know, hopefully um, it'll encourage people to schedule big games in the non-conference because, you know, for top four teams, you're getting a buy next four teams get a home game. And so the difference between being fourth or fifth will be huge. The difference between being, you know, what would it be? Eighth or ninth will be huge to be able to host or be able to be off. So, body of work will matter who you're playing matters and you know, it's going to be here. I could cry about it and say, I don't like it. I th- I'm okay with this, but the reality is it's coming anyway. And that's, that's where we're at. One of the things that I think would help fix if that's even really the right word, I don't think anyone's complaining during the playoff games or Rose Bowl or anything like that. But one of the things I think could help fix kind of who's in, who's not in teams jumping is if there was second, third, fourth, maybe even fifth place games within the conference, I don't see any reason why Ohio State didn't get to have the opportunity to beat, you know, Iowa again or Illinois and and move up even more. So at least it's not an idle week in a week that the team ahead of them loses in a conference championship. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and that's the one thing, the conference championship games during this. I mean, are they a benefit at that point? Well, the conference champions will be given those. The top four will be given the home the buys. So that, that will matter. Um, the Big Ten did that with COVID, you know, and allowed everybody to play, get to make sure they got another game in if they'd missed some. Whereas 1-1, one, 2-2. One, two, two. And the problem is the West is so bad, but we're going divisionless. So I don't know really how you do that. And you're asking guys to play another game, a lot more guys. And frankly, we have a hard time get keeping guys engaged and playing even in bowl games right now. So I'm not sure that that would be something that guys would even be interested in. It's a fair point. I appreciate you, you arguing with Andrew, the way, uh, the way I get to all show. I love it. We want to also, you know, ask you some questions. Maybe you don't get asked every single day on the radio. Um, Starting with your favorite teammate you've ever had. Uh, talk some Bobby Carpenter here. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a big question. I mean, it's going to come at points in life. I mean, I mean, you can't name one, obviously. Yeah. So. I mean, it's like when I was at Ohio state, I mean, AJ and Schlegs and I, we're all great friends now. I mean, hanging out with Nate Sally a lot. I mean, there was a bunch of guys. We had a really close knit uh, class. Um, there's guys like Brandon Joe. Who I still see today. Our daughters go to school together. And we were just at a recital earlier tonight for their choir. So, you know, he's a central Ohio guy, you know, we'd, you know, played together or played against each other in high school. And so there, there's just a lot of guys like that where you find yourself hanging out with. And then as you get older, you know, everybody kind of stays local. You, you become really good friends with, I mean, AJ's probably one of my best friends in life. I've known him heck now for 20 years, which is crazy. Uh, known him longer than I haven't, which is when you really start getting old, when your college buddies are, you've known more than half your life. Um, 
So the guys in the NFL, man, I was Witten and Romo were my guys, Mark Colombo, Kyle Kozier, Detroit, Matt Stafford. You know, it was a great dude. We hung out a lot. Drew Stanley was our backup quarterback. You know, we, we hung out a lot. Um, you know, it's just, as you get older, it just kind of becomes people then too, that are like the same phase of life as you where, you know, my last year, I'm like 30, I'm in new England, 31 and Tom's talking to me and, I'm like, man, Tom, you're like 10 years older than me, but I look around the locker room and there's like five, there's only five guys older than me. So you know, it's a, a function of just like, I actually have kids. He has kids. You're talking to a 21 year old about who's talking about going to the club and going out. Like, so it just kind of becomes that people that are that stage of life with you that you have like commonalities to share. And that's one of the things I'm always really impressed with guys as they get older in locker rooms to be able to continue to push young guys and to be relatable like that. It's really hard because you're at different stages of life. There's a big difference between a guy that's 22 and trying to go out and a guy that's 31 and has, you know, a six, seven year old. And you're talking about after walkthrough going to, you know, their soccer games, you know, like it's supposed to like finding the, the random girl you were with last night and dropping her shoes off at her house. Like that's like, those are the different things that like guys in different lifestyles talk about. So, when you first got to the NFL, do you have a moment that stood out to you as a welcome to the NFL moment? This is not Ohio State. Or on the opposite, did you have the thoughts, hey, I played Ohio State. This is nothing. Well, yeah, it's not nothing. Anybody will tell you, man. Like, you know, guys will come in. Yeah, it's just the same. Listen, it's not. Like, every there, there are no bad players. Like, everybody was one of the best players where they're at. There's 1600 jobs you know, in the NFL, I mean, it's a very elite fraternity. So, you know, there are no bad guys. And so like, as you work through that, I mean, my welcome to the NFL moment probably came pretty early, just simply due to the fact that I was drafted by Bill Parcells. My dad played for him and, you know, he was a guy I always grew up kind of watching when he was with the Giants. You know, one of the first Super Bowl I remember watching was the Giants Bills in ninety. You know, his the the first one the Bills lost, his second with the Giants, and when he was with the uh Pats, then with the Jets. And I remember watching him in college when he was coaching his first games and seasons in Dallas. And I thought, man, it'd be cool to play for Bill. Like it's one of the greatest coaches of all time, greatest team builders. And you know, he has his first round draft pick, always bring him water during camp. And it's an all season. And it's more of a function. Like it humbles the guy, but then my dad goes, he'll talk, he'll tell you things. When you go up there, you'll stand there. Some days we'll just be like, thank you. Walk away with things. How's it going? How's the family? And then we'll start talking about some other stuff for, you know, a couple of minutes. He's like, so understand when he's giving you those nuggets of knowledge, like that's something he's doing intentionally about your career, about how to live, about life. And by the time I got to him, he was in his sixties. So he, he'd coached a heck of a lot of football and a lot of great players. So, you know, my first practice, that was kind of it. You know, they blow the whistle. Our trainer comes over and he's got the cup for me. And it's like, here's take a shot of water. And then you jog over there while everybody else is hanging out. And so it, it's a pretty surreal experience. Um, you know, but I, it's one that I, I definitely was, you're at the big leagues now. Like, this is what you've always wanted and this is what you get. Uh, the last question that I have, and I know we, we end our show same way with every guest, but I'll give you, I'll leave you with one last question. We love asking guys who have played at the highest level, whether it be at Ohio state, obviously the highest level in college or like you in the NFL, who's the freakiest freak that you ever came across, whether it be a, it could be a teammate, could be a guy that never panned out from Ohio state. I mean, it could be Tom Brady, right? But who's the freakiest freak for whatever reason that you crossed paths with? 
Listen, man, it's not Tom. Tom's not even on the athlete list. I had an <laughs> argument that with this about my wife because she's like, he's an elite athlete. I go, you ever watch that guy run? Are you serious? My my 13 year old runs better than Tom does. And even at his peak, he was never a great athlete runner. I'm like, he, he's a great thrower of the football and his brain and his ability to process and see coverages is probably even, is the most impressive thing. But as far as like physical athletes, I mean, I, I, mean, I got to play with a couple of Hall of Famers, which is awesome. Um, I mean, Calvin Johnson, hands down, he's he's the greatest wide receiver that's ever played in my mind. Uh, I know people fight about Jerry Rice. I grew up watching Jerry Rice, and that's not a knock on him. Jerry did it for a long time. It was elite at a high level. But Calvin, I mean, he played on some teams where we didn't have a lot of other talent around him. He would get double teamed, triple teamed. He would go, go go up and catch the ball. He could outrun guys. He was 6'5", 235 pounds. I mean, the dude looked like LeBron James out there. And the biggest thing was he was an unbelievable human being. Great teammate. Would sign anything for anybody. I still need to get a jersey signed by him because all the guys who I played with who were Hall of Famers, I have a ball signed by him. But I always wanted to have jerseys up. And I had a ball with him and Stafford on it, which they may both end up being Hall of Famers, hopefully now. Um, but, I mean, Calvin was, I said, as good an athlete, as he was, he was even a better person, like a better human being. And I talked to guys who I played with who, you know, would just be wowed at his ability. And people would always ask. And I'm like, listen, if you could grow up and have your son be the most gifted athlete in the world, you would want them to have the temperament and personality of Calvin. I'm like, it's – because I played with T.O. I mean, I played with some great dudes. And, like, not to besmirch any of them, but there was no better dude to play with than Calvin – and then right there alongside him was probably DeMarcus Ware. I mean, DeMarcus is a Hall of Famer. I don't know. He's fifth all-time in sacks or something. Like, and dude was a great guy. He was drafted right before me, you know, the year ahead of me. And his birthday is a day before mine, like a year ahead. Um, so it's it's so great. Like, and he was just a good friend when we were in Dallas. And, you know, very humble, very similar to Calvin. Would do anything, play hurt, play injured, never complain, do whatever he could for the team. And I'm like, man, and I didn't realize it with Calvin, with Mark DeMarcus because I was young and he was young. By the time I got to Calvin, I'm in my sixth year. He's in his fifth. I'd played against him on other teams. And so, like, you knew what he was. You'd studied. I'd heard our DBs talk. I'd played against him. And, like, and then I got to watch him every Sunday for a while. So those two guys, I mean uh, – there's nobody else that I'd ever seen like them. And I don't know if there will be any, anybody else like them walking around. You know, what's funny is when we ask basketball players, those questions, if they didn't play in the NBA, you know, they might say some guy that they played in Ireland with, and you just dropped the Marcus Ware and Calvin Johnson on us, which is two, two pretty, pretty good answers. My, my last question before we close it out, like Joe was mentioning, put you on the clock a little bit on the hot seat. Justin Fields or C.J. Stroud, who's going to have the better NFL career? Ooh, um, Justin, so much of quarterback Talking success. To a Bears fan. Talking to a Bears fan, too. Okay, so much of success in the NFL <laughs> is based upon situation and, you know, whether you're a first-round draft pick or an undrafted free agent. Like, it's like getting opportunities, having the people believe in you, having a system, especially a quarterback, that fits your abilities. But it's a lot of it. There's only a handful of guys like DeMarcus and Calvin. Like, they're system-proof. There's Hall of Famers that were system contingent. And like guys talk about that in the league. Like he was great in this, but if you put him in this system, he wasn't as good. Kurt Warner's a great example of that. Phenomenal. You know, uh, St. Louis, you put him with the Giants, cold weather, struggled trying to push the ball down the field, goes back to Arizona, getting the ball out quick and looks like Hall of Famer again, goes back to a Super Bowl. Um, 
you know, uh, my goodness, sorry, uh, Justin Fields or Shroud. Um, I, dude, Justin, I, I have an immense respect for Justin. Um, and not that I don't like CJ, but you know, Justin Fields is a grinder, he's a worker, man. He lifts like it's important. Quarter, a lot of quarterbacks are like baseball players, they don't want to lift weights. Like, dude, you get hurt. Your body will fall apart. It'll break down. Guys who do not work out in the NFL have injury issues. It's like Ken Griffey Jr. He never worked out. The natural. You know what? His career it was not what it could have been because he was always suffering soft tissue stuff. So Justin works out. He's alpha. He's a leader. They need to get him some weapons in Chicago. But you've watched him. I'm almost disappointed he didn't run more now at Ohio State after watching him run in the NFL because, dude, he's got it all. And so, you know, He's never going to probably be the pocket passer to Tom Brady, but he's got things that Tom could only dream of having as well. So life's it's a balance, man. Every quarterback, it's like any position in any sport, you got to play it with what you have. And so he's got the arm. He processes pretty well. He's going to continue to improve. Um, they just got to get him some weapons and get him some protection. Like CJ is probably a naturally a better thrower of the football, a little smoother, but you know, he's got to come into his own. He needs to make sure he, he's the leader you know, and the demonstrative personality that he needs to be. And he also, I mean, you got to be able to pull it down. You got to be, you got to be a winner and being a winner is doing whatever it takes for your team at that time. What is required to win? And so if that's running the ball a couple of times in a game like I said, you watch cam rising, take one on the beak, man, and pop back up and keep going. I guarantee you every player on Utah would run through a wall for that guy because of how he played pops up and he, he's doing it. Took a player two off. He takes his helmet, has to go out for one, pops back in, and goes and wins the game. And so you see guys do stuff like that. You know, watch Bryce Young battle through some stuff at Bama. Like guys love that man. Jalen Hurts, you see him with the Eagles. Like having that about you, and like Justin Fields did against Clemson. I mean, battling through with freaking ribs. I mean, guys know it hurts. <laughs> They're not pretending that it doesn't, but that means you're willing to give a little more to them. And I think that's what's important. So I mean, I'm gonna lean on Justin right now just because. Every, well, I've seen more of him and I've seen him do more of what it takes at this point. And so there's still time for CJ, but he, this, these last, this last couple, hopefully two games has an unbelievable chance, opportunity to be a legacy definer for him. And I, I pray for his sake that that happens. And cause I want to see the kid have as much success as possible. Absolutely. No doubt about it. Bobby, the way we want to leave you um, is how we end every show sponsored by brain fuel presenting sponsor, um, we'll let you get out of here quickly, but first we got to turn the tables on you. You're a pro's pro at this, but what questions do you have for us? It's your show. Oh gosh, what questions do I have for you guys? Well, football, basketball, life, we're an open book, rip away your show. I mean, Andrew, where did you get the idea that you thought everybody would want to play on the final week of the season, <laughs> even if you're playing a team that's seventh in the Big Ten West? I'm sick of hearing complaints about Ohio State being idle on this weekend or last weekend and then getting in. So fine, have them beat Iowa by 50 and then it's justifiable why they end up four. Listen, Alabama won two national championships without even winning their division. No one said boo about it. So like everybody can complain right now, but the reality is that will be fleeting um, as soon if the questions are answered and the things are taken care of. So we got that. And then Joe, I mean, you're a big hoops guy. I mean, Holman lives down the street from me. I talked to Chris from time to time. Um, you know, how are we going to be this year? You know, honest, honest opinion. I don't, I don't need Tim Hall and a, and a four hour answer. <laughs> I mean, I love my guy, Timmy, but you know, what, what do we got working with here? 
Yeah, I think we just talked about on the show a couple different things. I think that this is one of, if not the most talented rosters Ohio State's had, which is number one, a positive, but number two, something to look forward to for the casual Ohio State fan. It's going to be a fun product, I think, this year. Um, We're not playing a ton of defense early on as we have 10 new, brand new faces to Ohio State, not only to college basketball, but also like Big Ten basketball, a lot of transfers. Um, I'm very positive and bullish like Timmy Hall about this team because of the talent. Um, You couple that with an incredible coaching staff. I think that's a recipe for success. Um, Great point guard play so far. Um, We don't have the biggest front line, but they play bigger than they are. Um, Dudes that care, dudes that play hard, you know, the type of team that uh, you want to root for, right? That, That play hard. They're in every game. They care at a really high level. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sit here and not be biased. Like, that's just what I know. This is your show for the last few minutes, but like, you know, (laughs) it's, we, we have a job and that job is to make sure that people, number one, are informed about Ohio state basketball, but also get the positives from it as well. Um, so I feel good about this team. There's been plenty of other teams that I felt really good about that haven't done well, but the pieces that they have are you know, the goal is to make the Sweet 16, right? That That's the goal right now for Ohio State basketball. And on a scale of, you know, can they to can't they, it's it's at absolutely they can, right? So um, I hope that answers your question. I know that was a roundabout, very Timmy Hall answer of me, but um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of this team. So last one for both of you guys then, and it's for football, basketball. And basketball's seen a lot more, and football has are a little more down the line at it. And uh, it's a little more mature, but <laughs> your thoughts on the trans? There's seven over 700 players as of Monday night in the transfer portal. There's only 11,000 scholarship players in all of Division One FBS. I mean, that number could hit a thousand. You could be at almost 10 percent of guys in the portal. Um, your guy, you guys are a little younger than I am. Your thoughts on it? So I went. I went to Mizzou. And Mizzou transfer portal to Ohio State fandom. fandom, I I went to Mizzou and Mizzou football is not very good. They were not very good this year, but because of the portal, I think they could be even worse next year, potentially, but also they could be from a six win team to a nine win team because of the portal Versus in years past, you're really just relying on your recruiting and guys getting older. And a lot of times your guys just getting older is, is not enough. So I'm looking at it from an optimistic point of view where a team like Missouri could have a quicker turnaround and a team like Ohio state is not really going to suffer from it. If anything, they will benefit from it. The way I look at it, I'll give a, maybe a more concise answer is I've always been the grass, the grass isn't always greener guy. That's kind of how I felt. Um, I had opportunities to leave Ohio State, you know, when the new coaching staff came in. And even after my junior year, when I proved like, hey, I'm a pretty good basketball player, I could go somewhere else, lower level and and be the guy, right? Or, or have my own career, you know, not sitting on the bench, I guess you could say. But I chose not to. And I think that's the best decision I ever made. Um, I've seen teammates of mine uh, from the basketball perspective. I've seen teammates of mine uh, come into Ohio state and rejuvenate their career and, and, and become incredible professional basketball players because they transferred. I've seen guys leave Ohio state. Um, and it's been the worst decision they've ever made. I've seen guys leave Ohio state 
And it's been the best decision they've ever made. I think there are scenarios where it is important. And I think that guys deserve the opportunity if it is the right uh, situation to play right away. Um, But I do think that more people need to be understanding that it's not going to be easy. And if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Um, And there's something to be said about a guy who sticks it out, proves his worth and gets over that hump um, to become a, a great basketball player. So that's kind of my view on it. I do think Holtman has really embraced it, which I think is important. Like Jim Beheim has not embraced it and they are going down the tube. So you got to embrace it. You have no choice. Um, but man, I have a hard time on based on my career, high school, college, thinking that I would have been better off transferring and starting over basically. So that's kind of how I feel about it. How do you that's feel? Good. I mean, well, and that's my thing. I, I said, uh, um, I was talking to Eddie George about this today on my XM show. And I'm like, it probably, I think it's probably good for about 10 to 15% of guys. Um, but I'm like the reality of it. There's probably about 85 to 90% of the guys that should stay where they are and grind out and improve their situation because they're leaving. Cause it's just hard. But the reality is in any college athletic and the reality is for anything in life. And I've tried to talk to some of the guys, you know, about this. And I, I had great conversations with JK Dobbins about this when he was even talking about, you know, dropping out of the business school when he was there. Cause it was, it was hard. I'm like, well, yeah, dude, but anything you've ever achieved in life that has been worthwhile was probably hard because if it wasn't, then you wouldn't, it really wouldn't be worth a damn. So like that's, and that's what Eddie's like. Eddie George had a very unique path. I mean, with the um, uh, Virginia military, I believe, I think he went to VMI, you know, didn't start to his junior year, didn't really play a whole lot and was just kind of viewed as the next guy up, but was like a relentless war- workout guy. I mean, busted his butt all summer, every year. And so because of that, you know, he ultimately wins a Heisman Trophy and like goes on to borderline NFL Hall of Famer as you know eleven thousand rushing yards and all this crazy stuff. And he's like, you know what? If I would have had that temptation, I'm not sure where it would have been. He goes, but you know, we didn't have that, so we just leaned into the work. And he goes, I think that that's a problem now is me trying to tell guys this and whether it's Ohio State or Tennessee State, he's like, you've got to slowly feed them this and like get them to believe it because they've never had to do it before. So you're raising a generation of people that have been crippled by the fact that they've never had to overcome any type of substantive adversity and had to work through issues. And so while I agree, there's probably 10 to 15 percent of the guys, you know what? So you you're fine psychologically you're great emotionally you understand what you need to be able to do to play and it's just not shaping up because of personnel or maybe scheme system whatever it is fit and you go somewhere else and it works out but a lot of guys i don't feel like the reason it works out is because they're leaving for the wrong reasons to begin with yeah i i hope that you know whoever's advising the student athletes say hey caleb williams is the outlier. He basically left Oklahoma to go to the same exact thing at USC, same coach, other players, same system. So I hope he is not now the standard of what you can do. In well, the portal. And that's what I said, like he, he's all right. Like Justin Fields, very, very positive situation. It's like, people look at those. Those are more the anomalies than the rule. And that's what everybody wants to point to the exception. Look at this guy. And I'm like, yeah, but that guy is far different than what your situation is. Everybody wants to always embrace it. And, well, you know what? <laughs> so coaches always say, well, this guy did that. Well, you're not that guy. You can't play like that. You have to play the way we tell you to play because you're not that gifted. So you have to be, be, 
be coachable and do those things. And that's, it's no different than that, than it is, you know, telling somebody, Hey, you shouldn't leave or no, you're just hating up. No, I'm just telling you this because you're starting over and let's say you go there and you don't play, what are you going to do then? And I feel like there's going to be guys who go to three schools in four or five years, leave with a degree, maybe not, but they have no connections. They really didn't have the experience, the growth opportunity they had, and they're no better off graduated from college than the word than they were the day they stepped on campus. It's, it's interesting. It's, it's probably only going to get worse before it gets better. It is what it is, but uh, all, all we know is that Ohio state's going to beat Rutgers on Thursday and, and, <laughs> and Ohio state's going to beat Georgia. And we appreciate your time, Bobby. We know it's uh, we've kept you a little bit longer than, than we intended, but, but you're the man. This was a blast. And hopefully this is the first uh, of many uh, episodes with you. Hey, no problem guys. I appreciate it. I just get, I've got four kids, so it's got a oh, lot yeah. of stuff going on. So that's, that's the main hindrance to being able to do anything. <laughs> Sounds go. like you want to enter the dad transfer portal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tell my kids that you guys can transfer wherever you want. You don't, you don't realize what you're leaving. So grass isn't always greener. Exactly. Thanks, thanks man. man. Thanks guys. You guys have a good one. All right. Yep. You too. All right. We hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Bobby Carpenter. A lot of fun exceeded our expectations, not in terms of, you know, quality. <laughs> I'd, I'd say in terms of, you know, quantity, how long it was. He gave us a lot of time, which was great. He asked some great questions, which is always great. Um, Joey, I think we should do a fun episode next week because there's no Ohio State game until the North Carolina game. So we can touch on the North Carolina game, but we got to come up with something fun to do next week where there won't be any basketball games for over a week and football is, is weeks away. So if you have any ideas out there, hit us up, hit us on Twitter. We're going to come up with something fun. I love it. Maybe a little, maybe a little draft, maybe a little back to our summer roots. Who knows? I mean, we got a couple of guys that we have in mind of who we want to have on just because it will lend to a fun episode. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's the best time of the year. Like we were joking with Bobby, like, football basketball it's all lining monday night football is on the nba is on caitlin clark from iowa she's on tv if you haven't watched her and you like sports like you're in for a treat there but yeah this was a really fun episode like you said exceeding expectations probably not the right way to phrase the the interview with bobby but like he gave us way more than we asked for that's what it boiled down to we talked about 15 20 minutes with him and he gave us 35 um, and he asked some incredible questions at the end, insightful and fun questions. Just repeating what I said. You know, I know I'm just saying we had a blast and, um, you know, like we also ended the interview by saying the only thing that matters is Ohio state beating Rutgers and Ohio state beating, uh, Georgia. I'm not going to give you a buckle up and drive the lane in respect to the college football playoff. There's not enough time for that, but obviously we know what lies ahead on Thursday, a really good Rutgers team. Let's take care of business and let's hop into a Twitter space and chat it out afterwards. So we're not doing a buckle up drive the line. No, we are, but I'm just, just, but not, not a beat Georgia. Right. Yeah, exactly. I'm just yeah. prefacing. That's all. Um, yeah. Shout out Denny intro, outro shout out. We're having Denny on soon. Maybe that'll be part of the, the fun episode next week. We own, we own a basketball. <laughs> we want Denny. The fans are cheering for Denny. We owe him a basketball interview. Um, oh, Mizzou, Kansas Saturday. Definitely Ooh. tune into that. The border war is back. Missouri Tigers are nine and zero. I said earlier this year, Joe, it's happening this year. Ohio State, Mizzou basketball matchup. It's happening. 
So what would it be right now? Maybe like a four or five? That's too hard though. Uh uh-uh, not a four or five. I think it'll be eight nine, eight nine first round. Eight nine, but that would be awesome for Mizzou and really underwhelming for Ohio State, like we were talking about earlier. So I mean that Ohio State's a three seed, Mizzou upsets someone as an eleven seed. Yeah, that just feels a little un like I feel like normally. What do you want from me, man? I mean, I'm just throwing out every single. I'm just trying to think. I think it's more likely a a round of 32 matchup. Okay, well, there's only so many options it can be. No, there's a few. It could be a, a one, a one seven, a one eight. Who's the one? Or one? Uh, Mizzou's the one, and Ohio State's the eight or nine. Right. You think Chris Olave has more or less than zero fantasy points tonight? I think he has equal to zero. Oh, I it was in a must-win situation, Andrew. I was given a gift of my opponent scoring less than a hundred points. But what do my running backs do? Get four combined touches in the game. So Olave's frustrating because sometimes he's incredible and sometimes he sucks. Well, I, it doesn't matter, Andrew, when the other team is. Huh, but the Saints uniforms are sick. We'll talk some fantasy next week. (laughs) Buckle up. Drive the lane. Go Buckeyes. Show who the real Scarlet team is. Beat the Scarlet Knights. I'll be there. Cause you won't